Welcome back to the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andy Tempty. On the Balancing Act, we talk to business leaders and industry experts to explore the balancing acts we all play in our professional lives and learn more about the events that put rocket boosters behind their career success. Today, we have Megan Dusenberry joining us. Megan is the Chief Revenue Officer at Higher Ed Teaching Excellence Leader AQ, which she taught me, which is the Association of College and University Educators. Welcome to the show, Megan. Thanks, Andy. Excited to be here. Yeah, in in the spirit of full disclosure, uh, Megan and I didn't directly work together uh, at Kaplan. We were in two separate divisions, but I knew of Megan uh, for a number of years and watched uh, her uh, uh, career with great interest, uh, as, as they say. So, Megan, before we get started, it would be great if you told our listeners your story. Thanks, Andy. I spent 17 years of my career at Kaplan. Um, I started my professional career at Kaplan. I learned from many great leaders in the organization, and I grew within the company. Um, in January of this year, I transitioned and, and recently joined the team at AQ as a chief revenue officer, as you mentioned. What I was excited and inspired by uh, with the team at AQ was the work that they were doing on student success and retention and really seeing an amazing product in action and knowing that not enough people knew about it um, and knowing about my own background and what I was good at and uh, seeing an opportunity to uh, help grow and, and change a market. Uh, thanks, Megan. So if it helps uh, you and AQ at all, I'll just briefly tell the story of me uh, and my academic experience. I got a PhD from the University of Iowa, was expected to go out and teach the world. And uh, there was no training on how to be a great teacher. So I am really excited about the work that you are uh, doing at AQ and look forward to uh, starting to see those results uh, show up in terms of better outcomes uh, for uh, for university students and then ultimately the employers that hire them. So I'm, I'm really, really excited about you working at AQ. Uh, if, if you had to pick one event in your life that was a key accelerant for your career, what would that be? It's actually a personal event. It's when I became a mother. Um, I had wanted to be a mom for a long time. Uh, I went through a lot to become a mom. Um, and, and it took longer than my husband and I expected. And I was really excited about the opportunity to finally have a son. And I also was really excited about the career I had at Kaplan at the time. I was excited to keep growing in what I was doing there. I was motivated by the work that I was doing uh, at Kaplan, and I didn't want to walk away from that. But I also didn't want to miss time away from my son. And so with that, I really started to reflect on how am I going to do this long term? And I started to think about how I was approaching work and, and what I was counting. And I really realized what I was counting was time in the chair. How much time am I spending um, on, on work? And I wasn't really thinking about the results that I was driving in that time. I was measuring, well, I worked 55 hours this week, or, um, you know, I spent, I worked over the weekends as, as measures of success. And that really wasn't it. Um, I wanted to start to, to quantify 
how my time was driving results and and achievements for the organization, for for my team, and how um, I was achieving outcomes uh, as as part of a part of that work. Um, I also found that as I as I continued to grow as a mom, um, one of the things that it made me was more confident. I started to become much more confident in in being able to raise my hand and say, "I can do that." Um, I felt like if I was if I was uh, uh, keeping my son alive and and um, and having him flourish, I could do all the things. And so yeah. um, I was able to take on new roles and challenges, um, and uh, you know, actually having results that were measurable helped me gain new opportunities. Um, so even when I think about teams that I've led and, and successful people, I really think about, um, you know, the, the balance that, you know, working mothers or working fathers play in their life. And I, I see that as a defining moment for a lot of people. And so, again, I'm not saying that only parents can be successful. But for me, that was a moment in time that really made me think about my own time, what I was doing how I was uh, impacting others and and what results I was actually achieving if I was going to to continue to spend time in a in a career and one that I wanted to continue to be proud of and grow. Yeah, it uh, I I hundred percent agree. I've I've never had a guest uh, talk about that uh, the 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 influence that. Uh, that having children uh, has on mm-hmm. on your career, it certainly had a profound uh, impact on on my career. My my story was like, wow, I've got another human being other than myself and my spouse that is wholly reliant uh, on me. We don't just have one; we have two. Holy cow! It the perspective uh, change is uh, is phenomenal, and if people can learn, if our listeners can learn from you about the positive uh, uh, aspect of how you viewed that transition, uh, yeah, listeners, please do take note from uh, Megan here. Uh, Megan, let's let's get into the matter at hand, uh, which is the balancing acts that leaders play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you joined AQ as a member of their C-suite at the beginning of 2023, and this is your first C-suite role in what was a, has been a fantastic career arc in education. If you had to choose the most important balancing act that members of the C-suite play, what would that be? I think that's a great question. And, and being the, the chief revenue officer, I'm responsible for, for growth and accelerating growth within our organization. One of the challenges with that is also making sure that you know where growth is coming from. And growth is coming from our partners, our customers. And I think one of the challenges, the further that you move up in an organization, um, especially at the C-suite level, is you're you're pulling yourself further oftentimes from your customer base and ensuring that you stay closely connected to your customers and to your partners, that you understand their pain points, that you understand their needs, that they know you, no matter how large um, or small an organization is, that your biggest, most important partners 
know who you are, that your team knows that you're here to support the end user, the customer, the partner, um, and that decisions that you're making are reflective of that. Um, because again, when you're trying to accelerate growth, sometimes you miss the importance that what you're doing or the steps that you're taking are maybe pulling you further in a direction that's not meaningful to the partner or to the customer and, and what, what they need. Um, and then you couple that now with this is a, you know, the first time that I've been in a position where we're working with a, a board, um, investors who also have uh, initiatives and, and growth goals or where they see the company going. But I just think that the further that you move up, and I, I try and make this a, a goal in my schedule, I want to stay closely connected to partners and, and customers. So I do that by attending industry conferences and engaging uh, with those with those food. Uh, with those individuals at our booths or in in sessions that we're delivering time where I can dedicate in my day to join a virtual call with my team to listen to what's important to the partner um, so that I can I can make sure that the the plans I'm doing to transform the business are continuing to impact um, things that actually matter to the to the customer and partner. So to me that balancing act that each of us play the further we move up, in an organization is ensuring that every decision we make is one that's going to drive a positive impact to our customers and to our partners. Yeah. That, to just kind of parrot that back, uh, you know, you, when, as you move up in the organization, you're supposed to be doing less and less Right. of the doing and uh, and to really make all that happen you need to empower uh, the people that uh, your teammates uh, but mm -hmm. it's in doing so it's really easy to disconnect and start yes. to think in your own mind that well it's not my responsibility anymore to, right. to uh, be right in front of the customer and and how do, how do I balance empowering my people with staying close to the customer? I, right. I just that, that little twist on, on there. I, I thought I'd talk, toss that in. What do you, what do you think? No, I, agreed. And, and I think that, um, it's, a, it's important that, uh, you are also working closely with your with your team to make sure you're hearing from them what partners and and customers want, and that you ensure what you're delivering back in terms of, you know, pricing strategies or marketing strategies are in alignment and lockstep with that, and that they also feel, um, you know, heard and and that you're hearing the pain points that they're having as they work to. Um, you know, to sell a product in market or, or um, you know, deliver uh, excellent customer service to a partner where those challenges are so that you can continue to elevate those concerns, resource them, sol solve the problems against them. Um, because again, without customers and partners, there isn't a business. And it's yeah. important that to, you know, ensure that everything you're doing has, has that at the forefront. I'm, I'm, I'm smiling because I, just before we got together, I recorded my Saturday morning muse, uh, for, for this coming Saturday, April 29th. That's when we're recording this, uh, session. And it was it, the, the, my muse this week is about mergers, acquisitions, and the customer and how, yeah. 
in a, in a merger or an acquisition, that's where we really lose sight of, uh, of our customer and, and our people. So uh, we won't, we won't dive in there. Uh, let's shift gears slightly. Uh, looking back at the arc of your career, what's the most important balancing act that you've had to play that's had a direct impact on your success as a leader? Is the answer different? Uh, great, great question. Um, I think, again, the further you move up in, in leadership, you start to have dual responsibilities. And not that every person in the organization doesn't have the same, the same dual responsibilities, but those ba the balance becomes more important. You have responsibilities to your company or to your organization, and now you have responsibilities um, uh, to a team of people that, that you're leading. Um, you have to think about things like, how do I deliver a message from the company or organization in a way that's going to inspire my team to succeed and be successful? How do I build uh, synergy in teams to be able to achieve those company goals that I'm accountable to? How do I continue to unblock um, my, my team and, and remove barriers and obstacles so that they can succeed in the best interest of the company or, or organization. And what I, um, I feel really has had a, a strong uh, uh, correlation to my success as a leader is uh, the teams that I've built, um, ensuring that they were able to collaborate and, and work together in an efficient and effective manner. Um, so again, if you think about a, a sales team, oftentimes, well, they're all competitive, um, they're all driven, yeah. um, but the best and most successful sales teams are willing to collaborate and share their secrets and ensure that each person is getting better and have a, a, a friendly and collegial way of competing with each other um, because they're all driving for success, impact, and, and outcomes. Um, so being able to build a, a successful team uh, really had a, a direct impact on, on my own career. But I would also say the way in which I could support that team is constantly be looking ahead at what obstacles or barriers might be in the way and, and clearing the road for them, so to speak, so that they had full runway to be successful. Yeah. So yeah. I think those, those two things um, are, are important to balance along with, am I continuing to do this in a way that is, is driving uh, success and outcomes for the organization and for the company? Yeah. I, so I, one thing that I'd just like to point out is uh, for people, as you ride in, rise in the leadership ranks, uh, don't be a firefighter uh, yes. for your team, uh, but how you framed it in terms of breaking down obstacles. And there's a, there, there's a nuance. Uh, some people would say, well, breaking down barriers and firefighting, aren't those two sides of the same coin? And I would argue that no, because uh, on what, what you're describing is breaking down those barriers and then letting the team yes. come in and do great work versus being a firefighter and doing some of that work yourself or doing basically cleaning up the mess and doing it all yourself. So... Right. And a lot of that, you know, breaking down a, a barrier or an obstacle is simply realizing there's not a process here. And, and you know, I need to build a process or 
uh, I can see ahead that we're going to have challenge with an internal team, and I'm going to go connect with that um, team leader and figure out how we can best set both of our teams up for success to to achieve this goal. So um, again, I think a lot of it is sort of being a visionary, looking ahead at where you're going and, and what might be in the way and ensuring you've established process, procedures, and connections so that your team can succeed. Yeah. Well, Megan, we're going to take a really short commercial break and we'll be right back. I'm Andrew Tempty. The alignment of personal purpose with that of the business we lend our talents to is essential to achieving optimal work-life balance. But do you know what your personal purpose is? To help answer this crucial question, I've created a guidebook to help define your personal purpose and a vision statement to serve as your North Star. Visit andrewtempty.com purpose to download your free copy today. And we're back here on the Balancing Act podcast. We've got Megan Dusenberry today. Uh, Megan, we frequently discuss the balancing act we must play between the application of technical skill and human skill in the modern world of work. Uh, as a leader in the education space, what's your perspective on getting this balancing act right? And for purposes of answering this question, let's run a thought experiment. If you have an aspiring early career leader in front of you right now, what advice do you give them to balance human and technical skill as they navigate their career? Another great question, Andy. Um, I think the first thing uh, I would encourage anyone to do um, is, is know what you're good at, know what you're lacking, um, First of all, from the, the human end, build a team of colleagues or employees or team members that have those skills around you. Um, again, I, I find that you know we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses, and where we can build synergy is finding uh, those those humans that can complement both our our strengths and and our our weaknesses. Um, and then I think. Ultimately, supplementing those needs through through tools um, and and being able to use um, uh, a lot of technology tools that are out there to help you um, continue to to grow. So, for example, on the the sales and sales analytics end, we've got great tools like Salesforce. So, um, you know, again, from the the human end. Um, I can I can assess someone's uh, uh, sales skills and talents, um, but from the data end, I need a resource like Salesforce to help me really ensure accuracy in how I'm, um, you know, making a decision on a team member. Um, so using tools uh, where necessary becomes really important in our roles, and then using the combination of our human skills and our technology to uh, drive decision-making. So um, again, I think about early in my career, I often make decisions. I felt like I had to make decisions extremely quickly and that there was some sort of return for being faster to make a decision than someone else. Um, and what I've realized is I need to take a step back to make the right decision. I need to think about it both from the, the human personal end um, and, the, and the qualitative end, and then also the quantitative end and, and what I'm seeing in terms of, of results or a number, and then come together to make an assessment to say, this is what 
I, decision I think we could make. And this is why I think that decision is, is the right one. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but uh, a, a little side question for you. You're chief revenue officer at AQ. You've mm-hmm. been in sales uh, for uh, much of much of your career, uh, and sales as a discipline errs much more on the human skill side mm-hmm. uh, than the technical skill side. Uh, the 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 question kind of behind this question is: uh, What responsibility do you? think that sales, the sales department should have in growing the human skill capability of the whole organization? Uh, how, how can how can sales really help there? Uh, I think it's a great question. And I don't mind off the cuff questions either. Um, I would say that, again, I go back to who's using the product and who's the end user. And I think the responsibility of of sales in an organization, and also I would say, you know, similarly customer success in an organization is to ensure that they amplify the voice of their customer, their partner, or their, or the, or the user. And so um, being vocal in meetings where decisions are being made or someone is maybe just thinking about a decision only through the data end. This will save us cost if we do X. Um, really continuing to be the, the voice of the partner um, is, is that important role to play in an organization that I think that's where a, a, sale, a strong salesperson will really excel. I also think the other, the other piece that's important um, for, for sales on the, on the human end um, is to help the organization uh, uh, think about the right way in which to position something to the market. So um, I see sales and marketing working hand in hand. I'm, you know, leading leading both at AQ. It's a really powerful combination when those two groups are well connected and ensuring the right go to market strategy. Um, that's both, you know, again touches on the human element, but also has the data results needed to be to be successful. So I think that's where um, successful salespeople can play um, well in an organization. And that's where they can really benefit that, you know, the human, the human element of what's important to a business. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for that uh, clarifying and kind of doubling down there. Uh, now we're going to put you in a time machine. Uh, if you could send a message to an earlier version of Megan Dusenberry, what would the message be and what previous version of yourself would you choose to send it to? Great question, Andy. And I would say I would go back to the before kids, uh, Megan, <laughs> Megan Dusenberry. Um, and I would say, uh, why are you working on Saturday and Sunday? Number one. Um, and number two, that you can do it all, that you, you can continue to grow um, in your career. You can continue to raise two great children. Um, you can do multiple things. It's all about how you structure your time, how you structure your day, how you structure your priorities, um, and knowing that um, needs are going to to shift over time. Um, I have two children who want to be involved in a lot of things, um, uh, and there are times where you know my full weekend is is consumed at a baseball field. 
Um, but how I prioritize my work during the week allows me to be able to go do that and not be on my phone trying to answer an email on Saturday um, because I've set myself up for success throughout the week to be able to do so. Um, and, you know, again, I know that I'm going to have business travel and that's okay because I have a really supportive partner um, who is who is in this journey with me as well. Um, so again, I would say uh, you can do it all. You don't need to be so nervous and stop stop working just to say, I worked so many hours. Start to really figure out what's gonna make an impact. How am I gonna prioritize and structure my time? And, uh, and, and keep going. Um, there isn't a ceiling. There isn't a place where you have to, to stop or some, you know, what I would have thought five years ago, w- where I wanted to go long-term versus what I think today. Um, we are all uh, evolving and, and changing and those um, needs of what you want long-term uh, career-wise and, and personally will continue to grow and, and you can keep going as, as high as you, as you want to. Excellent. We can all soar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Megan, as we uh, close out the show, uh, can you take us on a deeper dive into AQ, its purpose, and what, what's the most exciting thing that you're working on at AQ today? So Andy, I think back to um, how you started the show, where you talked about your own uh, your own career in higher education as a as a faculty member. Um, when you think about most of our higher ed faculty members, um, they are extremely knowledgeable in their domain. So if you're a biology professor, you know a tremendous amount about biology, and you're excited about that. However, in most cases, you haven't had formal education training. Um, You express an interest of wanting to show others and demonstrate to others your domain expertise and knowledge. Um, But again, you don't have an education background or or degree. Um, When you couple that with the growing population of, of students who are the first person in their household to go to college, or who um, uh, maybe didn't have the strongest K-12 learning experience, who are also entering college, and they're entering with a tremendous amount of of promise and excitement for their future and waiting um, to to be captured by the, the engagement of faculty members that's where you really realize that uh, faculty development and professional development and training for faculty is important. And so with that, um, the products and services that AQ is delivering to help um, faculty develop in in, uh, educator training and also drive really important student success outcomes and retention and persistence outcomes on campus that's why I'm really excited about the work that we're doing. We have a tremendous product that I continue to be excited and inspired by. Um, we have tons of stories of how we've impacted both students and professors. Again, if you think about that biology professor, there are other professions that they could do that you know beyond um, higher education teaching, but they want to help students. And um, hearing how they've received our resources and what benefits they've seen in their own classrooms um, is is inspiring. And I truly believe that we will make an impact on the higher education landscape, 
students' uh, success and graduation rates, and then ultimately what that means and translates in terms of uh, these students entering the workforce um, that, that inspires me to keep going and to ensure that more people know about AQ and, and the work that we're doing. Well, that was uh, one of my goals of having you on the show is to, in whatever way we can, amplify uh, the, the the purpose of, of AQ uh, because it is a really, really important uh, mission that, uh, that you are on. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for being on the show today. Uh, my name is Andy Tempty. This is the Balancing Act Podcast. We've had a wonderful time with Megan Dusenberry today. Uh, you can find the show on all the major streaming services. Please like, subscribe, rate, share. Thanks again for joining us, Megan. Thank you, Andy. Have a great day, everyone.